1: restrictions apply from baseball's top personalities
0: the great chris russo joins us once again to
1: the game's top players joining
0: us is the all-star
1: matt Chapman. with us you never know what stories you're going to hear
0: if you make your way down here i I might be able to make some time and go out there and see
2: the great chris townsend This
1: this is a's unfiltered with chris townsend
0: Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. We've got some great guests for you coming up on this one. How about the Hall of Famer, Tony La Russa? And then two guys potentially who could be Hall of Famers, and we could be finding out over the weekend. That's Steve Garvey and Tommy John. This is going to be a lot of fun. Of course, Tony La Russa in the Baseball Hall of Fame. He's in the A's Hall of Fame. He's in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. Three-time World Series champion, four-time manager of the year. And we always love bringing Tony back on the program. We'll talk a little ARF also with the great Tony LaRussa, the Hall of Famer, Baseball Hall of Famer, A's Hall of Famer. Tony LaRussa joins us here on A's Cast Live once again. Tony, thank you for taking the time today.
3: Well, I'm looking forward to the conversation. I think it's a worthwhile
0: one. Yeah, you know, I think of what Dave Duncan did with you, And what you guys did and helping players like turning around Dennis Ackersley and helping him be a Hall of Famer, bringing in Dave Stewart who won all those big games for you, what you guys did in St. Louis with your pitchers and your championships. I was mentioning, like, defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators in football, guys who win Super Bowls. These coaches should be allowed to have their name etched in history, and I think Dave Duncan's a great one because what he meant to you, he should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame.
3: Well, I agree, and you know one of the uh, careful things that you do is when you brag on Dave, and he deserves every bit of it. You know, you don't want to disrespect other coaches, pitching coaches, because there's been some really good ones over the years. Uh, In that same conversation, Dave and I were were in, in uniform early in our career when we ran into Charlie Lau, and if you think about what's happened with hitters are now not only hitting for average, but for power. A lot of it has to do with Charlie's ideas about weight shift and getting through the ball and extending. So I think the point is that, you know, the hall is a, is an unbelievable place and, uh, writers and broadcasters are recognized. And I, 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 think it's, you know, really, really important that coaches, uh, get the same kind of recognition and, Every organization has their key guy. I mean, that's why I think we always – a lot of us are talking about would get every organization to recommend their candidate because, you know, like a George Kissel and a Dave Ricketts from St. Louis. And I know Toronto talks about Bobby Maddox. So every organization has them, and they deserve to be recognized.
0: Yeah, I like that idea because, like, for broadcasters, we have the Ford C. Frick Award for all the great play-by-play guys is you could you could develop a ward like that, Tony, and that's how we could honor these guys and get them into the Hall of Fame.
3: Yeah, and I think the uh, you know sometimes uh, players of that have got you know more time away from the game. Remember, in the old days, uh, coaches were more friendly to the to the manager, and they were they were useful, but they were not as critical. But that's because. In those days, you know, you had your work, you work your way through as a player through D, C, B, A, Double A, Triple So you had, you know, four, five, six years experience, and a lot of guys in the minor leagues were the ones that were teaching you how to play. Well, for a long time now, at least for the last you know 30 years, uh, we've been rushing young players in. There's a great deal of coaching that goes on, not just in player development but at the major league level. So uh, more than ever, I think that. Uh, you just mentioned, you know, some of the guys that Dave helped uh, that have made a lot of money, and uh, and I think they would be the first to stand up on his behalf.
0: Yeah, Tony, I, I don't think fans they don't get the chance to see it, but they they don't realize how hard these guys work. I mean, the game's at 7 o'clock, but these guys are getting there at 10 a.m., 11 a.m. They're out there helping guys, whether it's throwing bullpens or it's batting practice or it's in the cages, and now with so much video out there that these guys are watching. And you know as a skipper what all the work these guys are putting in to help you guys win.
3: Well, that's a great point to make because with this uh, onslaught of information, comes you know the responsibility to, to learn it to, you know look at it and in baseball six months you know, every three days you're playing somebody else so the uh the responsibility to to try to get ready for a series is just really awesome and and you know they usually get to the park at 12 and they leave at 12 and the game is about the players that's why the hall of fame i always thought you could just recognize managers saying on saturday rather than sunday but it is about the players but the coaches Uh, The work ethic and their expertise, they go hand in hand now. And you finally have to have a certain uh, personality that you keep your ego in check. And you're all about making them better. This is not about
0: you. So you've now joined the angels with John Madden and I know there's some exciting Joe Madden, Joe Madden. yeah, and, and it's an exciting time because bringing him back, I mean, that's the organization he grew up in. And of course, Artie Moreno's going to spend a lot of money. How excited are you about joining up with the angels?
3: Well, I'm excited for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, I know my brief time with major league baseball after I retired, uh, and I had a chance to go around and see the different teams. I met Artie, and I realized, I mean, he has a as much of a passion for the game of baseball as anybody that's an owner or ever has been. So, you know, that's that's fun to be around somebody who just understands how great the game is. Uh, at the same time, uh, you know, Joe, uh, I'll give you Dave Duncan a quick story here. Uh, back in the 90s, uh, Dave and his wife Janine went to uh, some clinics in Europe when he came back, he told me, he says, man, there's a guy that I just spent two weeks with. It's really a great baseball man. This is the 90s. And he said, and I got to show So, you know, I, I really, I've had conversations with Joe, you know, we really believe that uh, in the, you know, taking the information of today, and but you got to blend it with the traditional responsibilities of coaching and, uh, and, and, and making decisions on the spot, the value of, you know, the dynamics of the game. So it's an exciting time. And, uh, you know, it's all about challenges. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: You know, one thing, when I talk to your ex players and we talk about you, they talk about how you establish great relationships with these guys and you're still friends with these guys, these guys that went to battle for you. And I think the same thing with Joe, the relationships he has built over time, that the players know that he cares about them. And there's something about that. Tony, we're still in the people business. These are still human beings. you got to deal with them every single day. Life's not always easy. Just talk about how Joe was able to establish these great relationships with his ballplayers.
3: Well, I think if you had the first, first step to leadership today, it's establishing these relationships. You just can't stand in your office or send out memos directing you know you really get to get to know each other you need to earn the respect and trust of the players you have to show that uh, you care for them and i mean even today you, you look at coach belichick and coach popovich you know they've been doing it for years and years and years and and their players swear by them because not just that they're smart but because they've earned their respect and they have this uh, brotherhood type of relationship so joe you know joe has done that and that's one reason that uh not just the fans of the angels but uh, our whole organization is very excited to have him as our field leader
0: yeah we know the a's they have their core we think they're going to be very good we know the angels are going to try and do everything they can to get rolling again the same thing with the texas rangers opening up a new ballpark there in arlington but as someone who has been in the game a long time what are your feelings about what's been happening and what what the houston astros have been accused of
3: uh well, you know, it's, I'm I'm definitely a believer in the American justice system which is, you know, you're innocent until you're proven guilty. I know there's a lot of talk. I do know that Major League Baseball has been aware that there have been abuses. You know, as soon as they start introducing some of the technology and the cameras and all that stuff, uh, you know, it's possible somebody would push it. I don't know where the Astros come down on it. I just know that it's uh something that uh, should be condoned level playing field should be what what it is and uh, we'll see where it goes
0: your website arflife.org is a great website and we t- said last time we talked to you we know you have a big event coming up that we, we we would talk about it and bring you back on so tell us what's going on and all the great things you're doing with arf all
3: right well, this, is, this is your first scoop man this is uh uh i'm just driving by the art facility now it's 15 years old and there's some leaks in the roof so we need to re-roof it and years ago in the you know the late 90s we used to do something called baseball stars the rescue which is an autograph show we haven't done it for years so to help pay for the re-roofing I, I started out by calling four guys and they all said yes they donate their time and then i've checked out with four more guys so January 11th. This is the first anybody's heard of it because we, I can't even announce the venue because we're still settling on where we're going to do it. But we've got this sports stars to rescue. We've got Buster Posey and Bruce Boshy. We've got Albert Pujols and Mark McGuire. Uh, we've got Dennis Eckersley and uh, – oh, man, I'm missing somebody really big. Hold it. Um uh, see. Eckersley, uh, McGuire, Pujols, Posey. Oh, Dave Stewart. And then to get you, know, we want to get younger too. So we have got Marcus Simeon and Jack Flaherty, and there's still more invites. So that's eight solid guys that are going, to sign, you know, 200 autographs. They're not taking a dime, and all the money goes to Arp. So it'll be uh, January 11th from about nine to four, and more information to come. And I'm counting on you guys to help get the word out.
0: Well, I mean that. I mean that's a lineup right there, Tony. That's some that's some star power right there.
3: Yeah, I, that's well, that's what we had in. Uh, Chicago in St. Louis. And that's what he used to tell me. Just tell us what time the game starts and where we're playing and get out of the way. And I said, yes, I will. Thank you.
0: <laughs> and then also looking at your website, you have the concert, Stars to the Rescue, on January 18th.
3: Yeah, it's a week later. And this is when, this will be our 29th year. But we're here again. We get entertainers that donate their time. It's called Stars to Rescue. And our you know our headliner, our closer is uh, Trace Atkins. And we do a special veterans thing right before it. And, you know, he is a huge patriot and supporter of the military. We also have Elaine Boosler as a comedian. We have a couple of stars from Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And we have some called Pacific Mambo Orchestra. So that's Saturday that's on, the, on the 18th. And, uh, I mean, you know, you're, you're a nonprofit, man. If you raise money, you do programs without resources. You know, you got as good ideas, but you can't help. So we're out there hustling.
0: You know, it's amazing what animals do for you in your life. You know, we, we have a puppy, and to see what this puppy means to my wife, what this puppy means to my kids, and it's just like pets are so good for the soul. And it's been proven scientifically that if you have a pet in the house, it's going to make spirits a lot better. And just talk to that, Tony, how getting these animals into homes means so much. It means so much for the animals, and it means so much for the people who take them on.
3: I think that's probably the way we distinguish ourselves. I appreciate you for mentioning that. Because um, we started out, you know, Elaine and I was mostly about, it was all about people rescuing animals. We were just, just traumatized by how many uh, b- tremendous companion animals, puppies, dogs, and kittens, cats were being euthanized. But uh, in about the third or fourth year, we started realizing that more people understood the value that they have improving the quality of our lives. So we added that animals rescuing people. So uh, we do that now with uh, a lot of our volunteers. I think last year, you know, when you go to hospitals and senior homes away from their uh, families, uh, I think we're at uh, over 200,000 people were being reached. Well, eight years ago, we started also putting veterans with PTS with dogs. And, uh, and the dogs we rescue are all just going to be euthanized 24 hours later. So it's called saving lives at both ends of the leash, pets and vets. And uh, here again, you know, it's, it's magical. You just said it. I didn't. There's, there's no medicine. There's no machines. You put that companion animal in your lap or you, when you come home and it's unconditional love uh, and scientifically, whether it's your blood pressure or other ways that you measure the improvement of quality of life, it's, it's like a miracle, but it
0: happens. So you got the concert on January 18th, and then you got all these great players, former and current, going to be getting together and signing autographs for you on January 11th. When do you think you'll be able to announce the venue?
3: Well, I'm actually driving right now to one place I'm hoping to nail it down. But, uh, you know, we've, uh, we're we trying to estimate how many people might come, and that's kind of the – but I would say by middle of the week, end of the week for sure.
0: All right, Tony, anytime you need us and you, you need help promoting any of your events, you, you know we're here for you.
3: Well, you make sure you get the ace, get that email list, blow it out there with the information. Because, like I say, we got Stu and Mark and Nick and, uh, and Marcus and maybe more. You never know.
0: All right, we will promote it. Thank you so much. You have a, a, hopefully, you know what? Hopefully, we'll be able to talk to you. But if we don't, have a great Christmas, happy holidays, and we'll make sure we get people out there on January 11th.
3: All right, Paul. Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Tony's becoming a friend of the program on A's Cast Live. And I can't wait to be there with Tony when they unveil the new roof. And with all those great players that are going to be there, we're really going to enjoy that. Back on the program, a guy that a lot of us grew up watching. What a career he had. A World Series champion, a National League MVP, a two-time NLCS MVP, a 10-time All-Star, a four-time Gold Glove winner, a winner of the Roberto Clemente Award, and his number six is retired in San Diego. But we always think of him as an L.A. Dodger and played football at Michigan State. The great Steve Garvey, potentially going into the Hall of Fame, joined us on A's Cast Live. Our next guest was an absolute star, a World Series champion, an MVP, a 10-time All-Star, two-time NLCS MVP, won the Gold Glove four times, and also important, won the Roberto Clemente Award. And the potential to get into the Hall of Fame as he's on the modern baseball era ballot. Hard to believe he's not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. The great Steve Garvey joins us here on A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. Steve, thank you for coming on the program again.
4: Absolutely. How are you?
0: Doing great. And you know what? I, I I kicked I kicked myself for not asking you this question. Cause we actually have a little bit of a <laughs> be can- gentle on yourself now. Be gentle. <laughs> so rem- remember when you would play in the golf tournament in San Diego? Uh I believe
4: so, yeah. Uh huh. Okay.
0: Yeah. So one, so my father, you said, you know, it was the Andy Williams and it was SeaWorld and Sherson Williams.
4: Oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. So, All the different names eventually.
0: Yeah. So one yeah. year, one year you were playing, my dad ran the event and my father came up to you and asked you to come help him greet president Ford. Do you remember that? Yep.
4: Yeah. I do. I do. Um, you know, I've been so blessed to had a wonderful career and, And it leads to opportunities that, um, you know, don't don't come around very often in life. And that was one of them. And I was uh, it was a a magical moment. I thought the world of uh, President Ford, your dad was the facilitator. He was a man.
0: Yeah, because I remember my dad said, hey, you never know what a guy's going to say. He goes, oh, my God, Steve Garvey was the best. And actually, Mm -hmm. President Ford, my dad said, was more happy to meet you than you to meet him.
4: Well, you know that um, that started a, a really wonderful relationship, and uh, we had a, a little bit of a, a difference on uh, football because he went to Michigan. He played center of Michigan, and I was a cornerback at Michigan State. Uh, a few years apart, but uh, tremendous respect for each other. And uh, and he was a big fan. And I have actually I have some framed uh, letters from him that I have in my office. Uh, and, and which he congratulated me for, uh, especially 1984. I think he was there when we beat the Cubs, uh, and went on to the, uh, the World Series. But, uh, more than just, a, a very fair and, and honest politician, he was, uh, he was a sportsman. You know, he, he loved the national pastime. I obviously love football, uh, but really liked being around the guys, you know. And I think that was, uh, It's one of the things that always shone through with somebody like him was that uh, he loved sports, he loved life, he loved politics in America, and he loved this country.
0: You know, and I think about the Baseball Hall of Fame and what we have going now with this modern baseball-era ballot, and we just— recently talked to a guy that's on it and somebody you played a lot against, the great Dale Murphy, and you think of the players from that era that, you know, sometimes writers just didn't get it right. And now that we look at guys and we can look at your careers in a different way with analytics, how much do you appreciate the fact that now we can go back again and go, you know what, let's take a closer look because sometimes the writers just didn't get it right.
4: Well, I think that uh, the evolution of sabermetrics and the metrics of the game um, uh, have been a good addition. Uh, I think when they're taken taken solely, it it uh, doesn't measure um, the capability of, of someone who played day in and day out, who really had a passion for the game, who um, who made a difference on the field. He was a difference maker uh, for his team. Um, the kind of guy that if you were the opposition, you wouldn't want to face, you know, <laughs> in a crucial situation. But somebody that really represented the game well. And and somebody like Dale was, uh, uh, has always been one of my favorites. You know, he was a great sportsman, great competitor. Um, I used to see him up in Utah when we lived up there. Um, it was one of his homes. And we'd talk frequently about being blessed to be able to play baseball and at the highest level and compete against the best. And that baseball, you know, through the years, there are some sports that are in-your-face sports, you know, that uh, that revel in the embarrassment of the other team. Uh, baseball is not like that, you know. I think maybe recently we see it get away a little bit, uh, but more more than not, baseball is the type of sport that you want your your children to participate in because it's uh, it's our national pastime. There's no no marathon, you know, so to speak, greater than baseball. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a streak. Uh, the clock doesn't run out. It's a lot about life.
0: Well, and I think about you playing every day and having that record in the national league and our shortstop, Marcus Simeon, who played all 162. He was third in the MVP balloting for the American league behind trout and Bregman. And for Marcus to play shortstop, And go out there every day and deliver the offensive numbers from the leadoff spot with the power, the run scored. Mm -hmm. Just talk about the mental mindset you have to – because you did it for so many straight years. I I think you broke your thumb is when you ended that. You know, playing so many years, playing every game, that is such a mental grind.
4: Oh, it really is. You know, even more than physical. Uh, I used to always say, you know, you'd play 18, 20, 22 straight days and you'd get an off day, and you didn't want to turn the TV on. <laughs> you know, you didn't want to pick up the paper. You didn't want to read about uh, what's going on in the sports world, in particular baseball, uh, because every day is a preparation to go out and, uh, and to perform. And uh, it's usually in front of, you know, tens of thousands of people. Uh, there's an expectation Uh, you know, we're in this entertainment business, subcategory sports, subcategory baseball. And, um, you know, you have an obligation to the customer, to the fan. And uh, it's a big demand. If you, if you get it, you know how we tell our children, you don't get it or you do get it. If you get it, your responsibility uh, to the game and to the fans and uh, and to the people that support you, then it's, it's quite a responsibility to do it every night, you know, and I, and I, You know, and I applaud him because 162 games is, is really a journey through, you know, spring training, even six weeks before that, you know, I I think there was one year I played 198, 199 games with spring training and, uh, you know, by the time it was all said and done, I took a couple of weeks off of good behavior just to heal up. <laughs> but those guys that want to go out every day, want to play every inning every game like a Cal Ripkin who's got the all time record, and a Billy Williams and, and all the guys that are in the you know, that have gone two streaks, uh, should be commended and revered and appreciated because it's a tremendous commitment.
0: Yeah, and you love the fact that where it's like, you know, bring that hard hat and that pail to work every single day. And, and you know, when we mm-hmm. see we see guys that take these days off, we see guys that have nagging injuries and, and you feel bad for them, but there's, there's got to be that respect level for the guy that looks at his manager every day and says, I'm in that line, lineup card. No matter how banged up I am, you're putting me in that lineup. <laughs>
4: well, yeah, absolutely. You know, and today, you know, the, Metrics does dictate um, lineups, uh, but I know that Tom Lasorda knew he could write my name in every day. And that there were times when I had the flu and I had a headache and you know, broken pinky and hamstring, and I was still going out there if I knew that I could contribute to the team's success. If I knew that I couldn't, then I wouldn't go out. And then uh, during the streak, you know, there was there were a couple of times when Tom said, well, I'm going to sit you out today. You're struggling. I said, you really think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn anything sitting on a bench? I said, I got to get out there and make adjustments, you know, and see how they're pitching me, this team, and so forth. And they'd look at me and go, I was just kidding. I just wanted to see what you'd say. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, look at the, our lineup. You know, basically seven guys every day. And nowadays, um, and metrics do support uh, the composition of a team. But if you look at the teams that have won championships, uh, say the last three years, they've won it with basically seven guys, you know, and um, and I think that's important. When you get to October, you need to know the guy next to you. You need to know where he's playing. You need to know his range. You need to know uh, how far out a cutoff guy has to go. You, you need to know, you know, who you can depend on. And, um, you know, it really pays off in the long run, especially when you get to the end of October. And, you know, you've seen – and Houston and then Boston and now Washington do it very well.
0: Well, we know the Dodgers have met with Steven Strasburg. Uh, potentially Garrett Cole wants to come home. Anthony Rendon has met also with the Dodgers. When looking at your old ball club and the fact that you go to two World Series, you lose both, you get you get bounced in the playoffs after winning 106 games, do you think it's time for the Dodgers to go out and make a couple splashes?
4: Oh, gosh, I you know, I think so. Again, I don't work for the organization uh, or even for the Padres, but, you know, I, I respect both of them. They're always there when they call. Uh, but probably I would think the Dodgers um, may need that right-handed bat, you know, to balance out the lineup a little more. Uh, a guy like Rendon fits that perfectly. Looks like he's not looking for seven, eight years, maybe something shorter. Uh, you can, you know, know the Dodgers philosophy is you can never have too much pitching. It may be, and, and by the way, there are four or five other pitchers sitting out there, you know, like, uh, Cole Hamels for one of them, uh, even though he's left-handed, but a veteran pitcher that you can pick up. The Dodgers are losing a couple guys. They won't have Hill for sure, uh, reuse on the, uh, the free agent list. So I think a position player and a pitcher would be something that, uh, I would go after if I were the Dodgers. I've got some young components, you know, in my leagues. So we've got a lot of experience last year because, of, you know, the team ran away with it by 1st uh, of August. But I seem to think that if you can get back to that six, seven guys going out every day, um, that might be the final, the final uh, piece of the equation that will lead to a world championship.
0: You know, when you talk about a career like yours and playing every single day, you play through a lot of pain. And right now, you're with a company right now that helps you get through that. You know, we got a lot of people like myself, <laughs> like I'm 47 now. I don't move like I used to. So talk about the oh, company. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. Yeah. It's, it's hell getting older, Steve. You know that.
4: What you're telling me is you lost a step. You know, we got a cure for that. <laughs> but we started, uh, gosh, this time last year, talking about, uh, and four very, you know, very accomplished executives in the business world. Uh, about uh, getting together, having some fun, putting together a consumer goods company that we think could make a difference. And uh, one of the components was, was farming and um, uh, hemp farming. And we decided to uh, invest in that and then to look at the landscape of this far, wild west of THC and CBD. We decided to stay exclusively with CBD, which is, which is legal across state lines and for all of us to use. And uh, we created Caden Wood, and our first product, uh, we think, is, is, uh, has a tremendous amount of response to it. Uh, but it took most of us to use it for six months to make sure that it was going to be the product we wanted, and it's called Level Select CBD. And it's a uh, pain relief topical for those sore muscles and joints. And, you know, like you said, um, we get a little stiffer as we get older, uh, we lose a step. Uh, weekend warriors don't loosen up as much as they should and end up with a pulled you know, muscle here or there by Monday. Uh, and those of us who are blessed to play the games at the ultimate level, like I've got two hip replacements and my left shoulders replaced, and I think my right shoulder has sympathy for it, some kind of bursitis or arthritis or something. But then um, using the level select CBD, which comes in, in three levels, one, two, and three uh, number one is 300 milligrams. Number two, 600. Number three is 1200. Um, and and we ask people to to try them out, try the level that fits for you. We usually talk about level one as being, you know, the person that's starting to to get up in the years a little bit, uh, may not have been an athlete. But, you know, God's little joke of gravity is starting to kick in. Uh, to try that. Number two, you know, the part-time athlete may not be doing as much anymore, but still likes to play golf. and and tennis and, and get out there and stay active uh and for me you know with with these replacements in arthritis uh, i started getting about 10 or 15 yards in my draft so right there it's worth the price of admission <laughs> levels like cbd but then number three is for the for the active athletes who uh who need some support for the um for the aching for the joints and the in the muscles and i found over the last six seven months that i've used what ultimately has become Level Select CBD is that when used consistently, it also has a medicinal property to it that uh, has cut back on my arthritis and bursitis and has allowed me to be more flexible, you know, because stiff muscles really, I think are the downfall, especially people who get older. You see more people fall because they they lose their balance and, you know, things like that. But I think uh, this product is something for, for anyone who's, who I've been talking about right now? To give it a try, and you can you can go to levelselectcbd.com and get all the information too. So thank you for talking about
0: it, Steve. You had me at gaining yards on my drive and golf. <laughs> no, yeah, all my friends
4: have gone, Did you see you got some distance? Oh no, you're getting on. You're not getting the edge on me. <laughs> I gave you two aside. That's it. You're not getting any more. I said, no, no, no. Wait a second now. You know we have to play first, but. Um... But, you know, it's part of the evolution from the end of my career in 1988. Uh, I started a sports marketing company when I was playing, and uh, eventually we became uh, a brand management company, Garvey Media Group, and uh, Spinoff now has been this consumer goods company. So a lot of things I learned uh, my years in baseball and dealing with sponsors and advertisers, radio and television, have, uh, have given me a pretty good base for my career in, in business afterwards.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, I'm on your website right now, and I also work for the Raiders, and I got to know Carson Palmer. So I can see, especially okay. you guys who played football. I mean, as you mentioned, you played in college, you got banged up there, then all the okay. years playing Major League Baseball. But just, just for anybody who has those, you know, you have trouble sleeping, you have the aches and pains, yet you still want to okay. be active, go to the gym, you want to get in the pool and swim, mm-hmm. this looks like something that's perfect for any guy.
4: Well, and it's also, we, we worked on, on uh, a very light fragrance. It's, it's more of a mint lemongrass and uh, doesn't come on uh, hot. You know, you can feel it, uh, which we want. We don't want too strong a menthol smell, which a lot of the other products have. So it's, uh, and we found more women use tea than men. So it was important for us to make a, a product that was very, very effective, but also mild in fragrance and, and application.
0: Steve, always an honor to have you on the program. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you more as we get Thank closer you. about the Hall of Fame, and we'll promote this website all day long for you.
4: Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Best to everybody.
0: Take care, Steve. Happy holidays, and have a great Christmas. You too. Have a great Bye-bye. You know, I think of the, the 10 guys that are all on this list, the modern-day list, they're being judged by 16 people on whether they'll get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Anybody on the list is worthy. They were all terrific players in their own right. So from Steve Garvey to another guy on the modern era list, the great Tommy John won 288 games in his career, and he had 188 no decisions. So he easily could have won over 300 games. And he had the famous surgery that changed baseball forever. And they named it after him. I mean, Tommy John, to me, should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. What he has meant to the game of baseball, there's no question about it. He went on to win 164 games after that surgery. We caught up with Tommy John and potentially going into the Baseball Hall of Fame and what he has meant to the game of baseball. Tommy, thank you so much for taking the time.
2: You're welcome. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. This, uh, you know, they're doing the voting today. I don't know when it's going to be, but hopefully, uh, at least twelve of the sixteen will see to it that uh, Tommy John's in the Hall of Fame.
0: You know, I think about a, a baseball life, and I think about your life, and and I think about what you were as a pitcher before the surgery and after the surgery and how you changed the game of baseball, and you changed the game forever. And because, Tommy, you can have the surgery, but if it didn't work, what does it matter? You had the surgery, it worked, and it's changed so many people's careers and lives.
2: Well, that's the thing that I asked Dr. Job. I said, uh, what are we going to do? And he said, well, there's one thing, uh, it's, it's never been done before, on a pitcher, he said, I've done a lot of these on polio patients, in their knees and ankles, uh, tendon transplant. And he said, that's about all that we can do. And uh, and I said, well, if it doesn't work, I'm in the same spot I am now, I can't pitch. So let's do it. And let's, let's have it done. And I believed in Dr. Job so much that um, uh, if he would have told me to take my German Shepherd's poop and bury it back of second base at Dodger Stadium, I would have done it. And because I would have felt that he knew what was best for me.
0: When did you know after the surgery that, you know, this is going to work because the surgery was what, 1974, you pitched all the way to 1989.
2: I did. And you know, the thing about it,
0: I'll answer your question after
2: I make the statement here. After I um, – when I came back in the 13 years I pitched, 76 was the first year back to 89. I never missed a start. And I pitched three days rest, four days rest, and I pitched out of the bullpen. In fact, the 81 World Series and Game 4, Four or game five, game four, I guess it was. I I pitched out of the bullpen at Dodger Stadium and got two outs and pitched two and two thirds innings out of the bullpen. You know, now my God, they won't let guys go to the bathroom uh, <laughs> three times in a uh, in a ball game. You know, they got to have the doctor checking them out. But I. I pitched out of the bullpen. In fact, one game in um, St. Louis, I was warming up on a Saturday night to come in the ball game because we had gone through all of our pitchers. And I am starting the next day against the Cardinals in St. Louis. And uh, fortunately, they didn't use me or need me, but I would have done it. And I would have come back and pitched. And uh, people said, geez, aren't you, I'm coughing. I I don't want you guys to think I'm Hillary Clinton. But um, (laughs) um, uh, my job was to pitch. And I kept my arm in shape that I could pitch uh, short, long, whatever. And uh, that's the way we did it back then. Now, you know, oh, you got to have a strength coach, you got to have a mental coach, you've got to have a therapist, you've got to have a shock doctor, you've got to have all this stuff. And uh, what's his war? What's his this? What's is that? I, I don't care what that stuff is, and I don't care how hard a pitcher throws. The main thing, and this is where we've gotten away from baseball, the jarheads that are in there running the game now. How hard does he throw? How hard does he throw? How hard does he throw? My thing is, do you win ball games? And that's what it's all about. Do you win ball games? If you win ball games, you can pitch. If you can't win, that's why 288 wins. I I don't think there'll be anybody in the future of baseball that'll get anywhere close to that. I think C.C. Sabathia is the, uh, when he shut it down this year, I don't know how many he had, but um, he's probably the closest. And uh, it's just not done anymore. Guys don't
0: pitch. How many people come up to you who have had the surgery and they just say, thank you for what you did?
2: You want the truth? Yes. None. Really? Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've had guys in the, in, in the minor leagues show me their scar and say, yeah, I had it done. Nobody's ever come up. Now, this is the way my mind works. If I was having the surgery done today, I would have my agent or I would have somebody I know call people that have had Tommy John surgery And they have been successful in coming back from it because I want to know what to expect so I can uh, plan my route on how I want to train, what I want to do. Nobody's ever called me and said, Tommy, what can I expect? What should I do? What what do you think this and that? Um, I I take that back. Uh, Johnny Oates had – Picture of his, when he was managing at Baltimore, and I can't think of the kid's name now, called me up and said, oh, Mr. John, I'm uh, Johnny Oates told me to call you. And we had a little talk. And the thing that Dr. Job told me, and I told the kid, and he said, but why, how do I do it? Dr. Job said, listen to your body. Your body will tell you what your arm needs. You can't have Dr. Andrews, uh, who's never pitched a baseball game in his life, say, "Well, this is what you want to do." Or Dr. Job, even. Job just said, "Listen to your body, and your body will tell you." He said, "If you if you're out there and you're working out and your arm doesn't feel good that day, don't throw." If your arm feels good, throw more. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and that's the thing that, that um, um, I, I, I think that everybody now wants this. Okay, day one, you throw 23 pitches. Uh, and then you go to the bathroom, you tinkle uh, after 23. Okay, uh, tomorrow it's 24. I mean, it's, they want this guide of what to do. I don't know, you just throw. and I threw till I got tired, till my arm got tired and and I felt it. And I was never a believer of doing a lot of throwing until I had the surgery. And coming back, I threw a baseball every day, except Sunday. And my reasoning on that was biblical. If God rested on Sunday, so should Tommy John. And I didn't throw on Sunday. So six days out of seven, I threw a baseball off the mound. I didn't throw 500 feet. I didn't throw long toss. I didn't throw short toss. I threw off the mound to a catcher six days a week. And that's how people, God, you can hit that that low and away corner, that part of the strike zone wow how do you do it how do i do it you practice how do you become a good golfer you practice how do you become a good pitcher you practice and that's what i did i practiced
0: you had one of the great lines of all time in 1986 when mark mcguire got two hits off you his father i guess was your dentist and you said when your dentist kid starts hitting you, it's time to retire. Now, obviously, you didn't retire, but that was a great line. Well, I thought it
2: was a good line. And um, uh, I know Mark hit two home runs off on me in a ball game. And I went to the ballpark, and my daughter had, I had disciplined her or said something catty to her or whatever. And she is the type of person, uh, she's a lot like Billy Bean, I guess, as I was going out the door, she said, I hope Mark McGuire hits home runs off you. <laughs> and I go, ah, oh, yeah, 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 you little. Uh, and I go at the ballpark, and the first two times up, Mark goes right field, home run. Next time up, right field, home run. And Mark McGuire doesn't hit the ball to right field. So the third time up, he had a guy on uh, first base. And I threw the same pitch that I threw the first two times. And instead of going to right field, he tried to pull it. And it was six four three. And as he comes back across the mound, I kinda walked with him a little bit and I said, I outdumbed you. And I I ended up winning the game. That was the only two runs Oakland scored off of me were his two home runs. And um so I'm on my way to the car, and he gets off the team bus, and he said, "What you say to me as I was walking across the mound, running across the mound?" And I said, "I outdumbed you. You thought because you hit two home runs, I was going to change the way I pitch, Mark. I'm not going to change. I can throw low and away more time than you've got balls to hit the ball to right field." Oh, about ten days later, we're playing Oakland up in Oakland. And the first time up the bat, I go low and away, ball one, low and away, ball two. And then I throw a fastball up and in, and it jams him, and he pops the ball up. And as it comes back across the mound to go to the dugout, I walk with him again, and I said, not every time am I going to throw the ball low and away. And, uh, but, uh, now nah, Mark's dad was, uh, he was a good man, a great dentist. And he's probably got about $45,000 worth of gold in my mouth right now.
0: <laughs> the great Tommy John with us here. In the end, what will it mean to you? I, I, I've said it for years. I, I, it's a travesty you're not in the Hall of Fame. But I do think you're going to get in. What will it mean to you when, when you do get into the Baseball Hall of Fame? Well, when,
2: when I started, my, my mom and dad signed me up for City Rec Baseball. Not Little League, not any of that stuff. City Rec Baseball. And um, there goes that Hillary cough again. Gee whiz. Um, Everybody has, you know, I'll play and I'll become an all-star and I'll make it to the Hall of Fame. It just means that your journey in baseball has reached the pinnacle because you've you've reached the highest part of the mountain that you can reach in baseball, and that's the Hall of Fame. Um, One, I think I should be in uh, because of 26 years, because of 700 starts, because of 288 wins. And I I heard or saw something, and, you know, you can't believe a lot of things you read on Facebook anymore, uh, for obvious reasons. But I thought that I, I have the most no decisions of anybody uh with what i whatever the thing was and you, you know it's just uh i thought it was 188 but i could be wrong and um uh it, it's just you know to pitch 26 years you got to do a lot of stuff you got to take care of yourself you you've got to maybe pitch differently every once in a while. But um, I think what I've done over the course, my baseball wise I should be in the hall of fame. I think what Dr. Job and I did um, medically, we definitely should be in the hall of fame. And that added to it. But, you know, I I don't know. I had somebody send a thing out. Well, your war isn't what it should be. And it should be, I don't give a shit. I won 288 ball games, people.
0: And you had 188, we checked it, 188 no decisions. Okay, now. Thank you. That's what I thought it was. <laughs> but um,
2: let me ask you this. This is something to talk about now. Of those 188 no decisions, how many of those was I was leading when they took me out after 5 innings? and our bullpen didn't hold the late.
0: Oh, I would, I would bet a lot.
2: I would bet probably two-thirds, at least two-thirds. So if you had a good – I know the one year with, um, with the Angels, I pitched pretty daggone good, but we had the worst bullpen. We had – I forget the name of the um, Venezuelan pitcher, uh, Sanchez, I think his name was. He'd come in, and if you had your guys on base, they'd they'd be in. I mean, boom, they're in the game. If his guys were on base, they wouldn't be in. And we just had a horrible, horrible, horrible bullpen. And um, um, it was 82 is when uh, uh, my first year over in 83, when Gene the Genius, Mock, was managing the team. And um, – but, you know, what it is, is, is I had a pretty daggone good career. I had a long career. I won 288 games, 188 no decisions. So there's your 300 wins right there.
0: So did they give you a time frame when, when they're going to notify whether this is happening or not?
2: Well, uh,
3: they're going to do
2: the vote today. And... Um, uh, so I'll probably, uh, if I get in, I'll get the call probably sometime later today or early tonight. And then uh, we've got to drive down to San Diego for uh, for Sunday, the 8th, and you'll be introduced on MLB when they announce the Hall of Fame um, entrance. But, um, I, you know, So, for me, living in Palm Springs, it's about a a two-and-a-half-hour drive down the way. Plus, uh, my son lives down there, and I'll get a chance to see Kurt Bavakwa and listen to all of his BS.
0: (laughs) Well, we're going to be at the winter meetings on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I hope you get (laughs) in, and hopefully we'll be able to shake your hand and say congratulations.
2: Uh, I will. uh, I'll let you buy me a hot chocolate. How's that?
0: I'll (laughs) buy... I'll buy, you, I'll buy you any kind of cocktail you want if you get into the Baseball nah, Hall nah, of nah, Fame. No, 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 no,
2: Tommy, uh, this, is, this is one of the other reasons. I was never really big into, um, you know, diets and all that stuff. But I was never a drinker of uh, of alcohol. Um, and I think that's one of the things that kept me around as long as I was. I, I was one and done. Now, we, we go out and... They know I'm going to have one beer, and I'm done. So I'm the designated driver home, and they have people that are with me, my girlfriend and everybody. They can drink whatever they want to drink, and I'll get them home.
0: Tommy, good luck to you today. (laughs) We truly appreciate it. It was an honor to have you on the program.
2: Well, you know, two Oakland A's uh, hold the key there, too. Sandy Alderson and Walt Jockety. They're on the committee voting, so, you know,
0: I don't know. Well, hopefully they'll bring it home for you. They better.
2: Sandy <laughs> Alderson, who was um, – I I enjoyed Sandy and his logic in baseball. Um, you know, he had no idea about baseball. He didn't have a clue. Uh, he was an attorney, and his best friend was um, – an attorney who was the son-in-law of Walter Haas. And they needed somebody to run the A's after after the Haas family bought him. And he says, oh, Sandy Sandy was in Vietnam as a lieutenant in a rifle company, and he should thank God that God protected him because usually those lieutenants in a rifle company they're the first guy shot when they get, uh, you know, hit in the, uh, in the wild. But anyway, I had fun up at Oakland and, um, Sandy was a good general manager. And, uh, I I just hope that I can thank him, uh, for getting me in the hall of fame.
0: Great stuff, Sandy. Hopefully we'll see a great stuff, Tommy. (laughs) Hopefully we'll see you down in San Diego.
2: I hope so. I look forward to it.
0: Thank you. What a list for this A's Unfiltered. Could be three Hall of Famers that we'll find out potentially on Sunday. Thank you to Tony Larusa. Thank you to Steve Garvey. And thank you to Tommy John. Don't forget, we're going to be at the winter meetings in San Diego starting on Monday. We'll be there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, doing A's Cast Live from 1 to 4. Thanks for listening to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn.
1: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.